This is Zach Driscoll, and I'd like to welcome you to the Real Men Podcast. To find more Bible teaching and content like this, visit markdriscoll.org. And don't forget to set aside a good chunk of time, because my dad has a habit of preaching lengthy sermons. Well, howdy, gentlemen. Pastor Mark here for you and with you. Welcome to Real Men. Tonight, what we're going to talk about is how to lead your family on Good Friday and Easter. In the Christian calendar, this is the big week. This is supposed to be our Super Bowl Sunday, as it were. Friday night is the remembrance of the crucifixion of Jesus. Sunday is the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And since we can't get together as churches, guess what, Dad? It's up to you. It's all on you. And I'm here to help you lead your family. That being said, we've been in the book of Daniel. Didn't know when we started, we'd hit a global pandemic. Uh, Things have really transitioned quickly, but Daniel has been absolutely timely because as you know, God's word is timeless. What I've been doing is teaching Daniel and then doing a pivot for the men, some practical applications from that week's sermon. And uh, when we started studying the book of Daniel, it started him being a teenager. Now at the end of the book in chapter 12, he's in his late 80s, early 90s. He's an elderly guy. And the way he's functioning in this season of his life is as a spiritual father. He would have been regarded as the spiritual father in his nation in his day because they caused him to be a castrated exile. He never did get to marry or have children, but he was a spiritual father. And everyone who learned the Bible from him and learned about the God of the Bible through him ultimately would have looked to him as a spiritual father. So I want you to see Daniel functioning like a dad uh, to a family, uh, a well-known dad over a large family and, and him setting an example for you and I as well. And in Daniel 12, it's kind of his final word to God's people. And he is an elderly man on the precipice of eternity, preparing others to make that transition with him. And this is perfect to set us up for death and life because we live in an age and a day and a time when the whole globe is just panicked by a pandemic. And everyone is asking what happens on the other side of death? Your own children might be having this question. Why is there so much fear? Why is life so much changed? Why is there so much news? Why can't I go to school? Why can't I go to sports? How come we can't go to church for Easter? These questions are arising and it is an opportunity for fathers to be answering. And so what we see here is a great example for us all. And Daniel tells us that eternity really is a binary choice. He says this in Daniel chapter 12, verses two and three. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, so you're one person, two parts, you got a physical body, spiritual soul, your body goes into the ground, your soul goes to be with the Lord until one day, they are reunited and they are resurrected so that you are with like Jesus forever. That's the point of where history is going. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, that's resurrection, some to everlasting life, that's heaven, and some to shame and everlasting contempt, that's hell. You'll notice that both of those are everlasting. Everyone lives forever. The only difference is where? Is it in heaven? Is it in hell? Is it everlasting joy or everlasting shame? And this is where the most important decision that any human being can ever make is who their God is. So we want you to know Jesus, love Jesus, follow Jesus, trust Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. He tells us he went through death. He came back. He tells us what awaits us on the other side. And so you don't need to fear death. You just need to trust Jesus. That's where the whole storyline of Daniel and the Bible is ultimately proceeding. 
And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. As Daniel is at the end of his life, he's telling people about eternal life and the resurrection that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And he says that for others who tell people about Jesus and the conquering of death and the resurrection and the eternal life and the forgiveness of sins and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that ultimately there will be some sort of eternal reward. We don't know what that is, but you will shine like the stars. You will be honored for that. And so what this is, this is an opportunity for you and I to teach others about death and life and the death and resurrection life of Jesus Christ. And to, as he says, turn many to righteousness. So this is an opportunity for you as a grandfather, as a father, as a husband, as a ministry leader, as a business leader, whatever your sphere of opportunity is, this is the perfect week to have this conversation because ultimately men lead into eternity. Uh, This is what the apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter six, verse four, it's a word to dads. And again, Daniel is functioning like a spiritual father, setting an example for all of us who are also physical fathers. Fathers, so dads. Hopefully, if you're not a dad, God gives you the opportunity to be a dad. As a father of five kids, I'll tell you, it's awesome. It's the best job in the world. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. This is where we name call them. We disrespect them. We we physically intimidate them. We raise our voice at them. We're demanding, overbearing, non-relational, duty-bound. There are lots of ways that dads really frustrate their kids. What he says is, don't do that. And now that your kid is probably home, not at school, everybody's under one roof, the kids might annoy you, That tends to be most kids' spiritual gift. And also the return can be that then you're frustrated with them. You need to maintain your high position as a father, not come down, argue, fight, name call, raise your voice. That's just acting like a brother. Your household doesn't need another child. It needs a father to lead the children. So don't lose your position of authority and respect by responding to your child in a childish way. Instead, he gives us another example that we can follow, and that is this, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What he's saying here is your kids are gonna frustrate you and you need to lead them. Your kids don't understand some things, you're gonna need to teach them. Your kids are gonna test some things, you're gonna need to endure them. Just prior to Ephesians 6 and Ephesians 5, he says that the husband is the head of the household. And what the Bible teaches is singular headship, plural leadership. We see this in the Godhead. God the Father is the singular head, the Father, Son, and Spirit in the Trinity. They are the plural leadership. In your home, husband, father, you are the spiritual head, and you and your wife are the plural leaders, and the children should honor and obey their mother and father. This is the Bible's architecting of Christian family. But you'll notice here that it does give particular responsibility to the dad to the dad. Now, let me say this. Many dads delegate a lot of their responsibilities to other authorities. So prior to this pandemic and everything happening, you probably had teachers at school, you probably had coaches at sports, and you probably had mentors or pastors or ministry leaders at church. And all of these people were invested, involved, helping to raise your child, helping to grow your child. Now that we're practicing for a season, social distancing, you can't go out to organizations and institutions. Now, all of a sudden, the full weight of this responsibility is crashed into the home. 
So now your home is also your school and now your home is also your church. And if you're at my house, it's also your Fortnite headquarters. So that's what we're doing. Not me, but the boys. So what happens now is all of these organizations, institutions, leaders that are investing in your kids, they're all gone. It's just your house and it's you and it's you. And so what I wanna say is this is a great opportunity to follow in Daniel's example and to follow in Paul's instruction. This is an opportunity. I'll give you one example of how this might look for you and your family. And I wanna make this really practical from Proverbs chapter four. And this is some insight on how to lead your family on Good Friday and Easter. Coming up on Good Friday, you can't take your family to church. Coming up on Easter Sunday, you can't take your family to church. You can't have the normal rhythms and routines that you do. So what will you do? Here's an example, Proverbs 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Much of the book of Proverbs is a dad teaching stuff to his kids and a mom and dad teaching stuff to their kids. Kids come into the world, they don't know anything. We gotta teach them. They don't have any wisdom. Their heart is bent toward folly. We need to correct them. Kids need parents. No kid can raise themselves. Your kids need you and they need you now perhaps more than ever. And so what he says here is this, hear, O son, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. You are your child's teacher. You are your child's pastor. You are your child's coach. You are your child's mentor. Anyone else that might serve in some of those roles is in a secondary capacity and you, my friend, are primary. When I was a son with my father, tender, and the only one on the side of my mother, apparently this guy was the firstborn like me, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words, keep my commandments and live. What the father's hope, prayer, and goal is to teach their children so that they can have a good life. And then when they pass from this life to experience eternal life, you and I as mothers and fathers, but I wanna start firstly with the dads, we have an eternal assignment to prepare our kids for life and eternal life, and eternal life. And let me say, this is the perfect week for you if you've not stepped into that leadership role to step into that leadership role. And I'll make this very practical. So Friday, coming up this Friday is Good Friday. It is historically the day that Christians remember the death of Jesus Christ, our God and savior as our substitute for our sin in our place to pay our debt to God. In addition, it then prepares us for Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus, that gives us the ability to experience the promise that we just read about in Daniel 12, two and three, resurrection into eternal life. And what's interesting in the timing, Good Friday that we celebrate in the Jewish calendar was around the same time as Passover. Uh, Passover was something that was instituted in the Old Testament by God's people. And it was back to the days of Egypt where literally they were away from home and they were under bondage and they were fearful and they were literally in a crisis and everyone was quarantined, isolated at home. If this sounds familiar, you're paying attention. And what happened is that this promise of death was coming to the nation and those who were spared were those who would take a lamb and as a result of faith in God, they would confess their sin. They would take the lamb without blemish, 
showing the sinlessness of Jesus, our Passover lamb who is slain, they would slaughter it and they would paint the doorposts of their home with blood. All of this was done, not at a building, but at home, not by a professional, but by a father. Now, in God's curious timing, the celebration of Good Friday, which originally was a Passover celebration. So Jesus, before he was betrayed, sat down with his disciples to celebrate the Passover meal. And he was serving like the father and the head of household, preparing his followers for life and ultimately eternal life. So we go from Passover to the last supper to your house. And now you are getting an opportunity to do at the same season, the same thing that God's people did for thousands of years. That is gather your family in your home, close your door and welcome the presence of God and also celebrate the person and work of Jesus Christ. They did this looking forward. We're doing this looking backward. But if you're doing this, whatever death might come to the world will not come to your family and home because you'll be preparing your people that live in your home for eternal life with Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm saying. Let me make it very practical. This week, you are the pastor. Your house is the church. Good Friday and Easter are now your responsibility and opportunity to be the pastor who leads the little flock that has your last name. And the early church, when they would gather together, even for Easter, because they were under Roman rule and oppression, Christianity was outlawed much, if not most of the time, they didn't have large public gatherings. They had small private gatherings. There were occasions that God's people got together for large events, but much of the time the church met in homes. So again, we're back to the Old Testament. We're back to the days of the early church where people are meeting in their home. I'm a pastor. I love the big party where we get the whole church family together. I can't wait till this house of God in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Trinity Church is packed and we're celebrating. But until then, I believe this is a wonderful opportunity for you to practice your faith like the ancient Hebrews did during Passover, like Jesus did during the Last Supper, like the early church did under persecution and opposition, and that is to have your family gather under your leadership to worship your God and to prepare themselves for life and eternal life. And what I'm saying is, once the church is open and once people can continue to go back to their houses of worship, don't stop doing this. Add this to your normal church-going routine while it is suspended, continue this practice that I'm now going to make very practical for you. How do you do church with your family at your house? How do you do life together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your home with the members of your family. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna help you put together a plan because I just deputized you, right? The Bible says, lay hands on you. So here we go, digitally, right? I'm laying hands on you. You're now the pastor in your family, right? We're, we're commissioning you today. Your kids, they need you to be their pastor and to lead them through this weekend. So let me give you some practical advice. And I want you to start with a plan for Good Friday and Easter. You are the pastor, you are the leader, you are the husband, you are the father, you are needed, you are important. You can do this, the Holy Spirit will help you. But you need to start with a plan. 
Because if you don't start with a plan, it's not going to go well. As the family leader, you need to say, okay, here's what we're gonna do. And then everybody needs to follow your leadership and know exactly what the expectations are. Number one, with Good Friday, the death of Jesus, Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus forthcoming, you need to study to prepare yourself. I'm used to preaching on Good Friday and Easter and what I do every year, I prepare myself. I confess my sins, I meet with God, I work on my relationship with God, I get silence and solitude with God, I pray, sing, sometimes even fast, study God's word to prepare myself to lead my church family. Well, now your family is a little church family and now you are the pastor and you need to prepare yourself. This is getting time with the Lord, to make sure that your relationship with the Lord is secure, any sins you need to confess, anything you need to let God know, any, any requests you need to make. And also too, you probably need to study. You may have been one of these men who just thought, my goal is to send my kids to Christian school. My, ki- my goal is to give my kids the right homeschool curriculum. My goal was to get our family in the right church and I'll let other people who know God tell my kids about God, it's you. In addition to them, you need to be in first position, first in line. And I wanna help you. So you can go to markdriscoll.org and or just click on the link that we'll put on the social media channels that this airs on. I've got a bunch of content. I've got a lecture I did on the resurrection, as well as Q&A, as well as an ebook that is in English and in Spanish, along with my summary sermon notes, five pieces of digital content, all free. I'm not asking for anything. You don't have to give me an email. I'm not gonna ask you for anything. I just want you heading into Good Friday and Easter to know how to answer questions and how to lead discussion and how to instruct your family in the most important event in the history of the world, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you gotta study to prepare yourself. Number two, you need to pray to bring the peace of God's presence into your home. Your home has a thermostat and a thermometer. You need to be not the thermostat, but the thermometer, meaning you need to set the spiritual temperature in your home. You need to be the one who leads. You need to be the one who initiates. You need to be the one who lays hands and prays over the kids. You you need to be the one who's meeting one-on-one asking, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Are you missing your friends? How's school online going? Whatever age your kids might be, having those age-appropriate conversations is really crucial and critical. And then it's you making sure that your attitude, your disposition is loving, patient, gracious, that it's inviting and welcoming. Because dad, let me just tell you this, if you're stressed, if you're depressed, if you're grumpy, if you're freaking out, your family is gonna scatter. They're not gonna come together. They're not all gonna sit together around the dining room table. They're not gonna all sit together in the living room. They're gonna you know, put earbuds in their ear. They're gonna put, you know, video game headphones on with a mic. They're gonna ignore everything that's going on in their home and they're gonna go sit in separate rooms. This is an opportunity, Good Friday and Easter, for the whole family to come together. But what that means is dad needs to bring the peace of God's presence into the center of home. And he needs to be the guy who's the funnest to hang out with and the most relaxed during this season and calm so that everyone feels at ease. Number three, you then need to have an age appropriate plan for your family. If your kids are older, maybe on Good Friday, you can watch The Passion of the Christ. But if they're three, please don't do that. You're gonna freak those kids out, right? It's age appropriate. If your kids are little, their attention span is a little shorter. Maybe you find a narrated kids cartoon that 
tells about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you read a kid's storybook Bible to them and pray with them or put some worship music on to celebrate Easter, whatever it is that's age appropriate. Maybe you find some crafts projects that are fun for them to do as well. As your kids get older, obviously the way you teach them changes. With some of your kids that are older, you can even give them the ebook and say, let's all read it and we'll talk about it on Sunday. What did you learn? What was your takeaway? Just need to think through age appropriate. And if you've got a wide range of kids in your family, you may need multiple assignments. Okay, kids, I'm gonna read the Jesus Storybook Bible with you and sing and pray. And with you kids, we're gonna actually read a chapter of an ebook together and then we're gonna have a discussion. And, and you kids are even older. We can watch The Passion of the Christ on Friday after the little kids go to bed. What I'm telling you is you need to plan for Good Friday and Easter Sunday for the whole weekend. You need to plan for the whole weekend. And so you've got to think through the age appropriate plan depending upon the age of your kids. Number four, you gotta be clear and you gotta be practical and you gotta lead your family. You gotta be clear. You're gonna need to tell everybody, okay, here's the plan. And this is where if your kids are older, you send out a group text. And I know it's weird. It's weird in my house. We all live pretty much under the same roof except for my married daughter. And I'll still need to send a group text to all my kids, even though we're under the same house. Here's, here's why, because otherwise they'll say, I didn't know, I didn't hear it that way, I forgot, I try to write it down. Uh, also, it may just be at dinner with the kids, literally. Just, okay, kids, here's the run sheet, this is what we're doing. Dad's gonna tape that to the fridge, so you know this weekend, this is what we're doing. Need to be up, you know, Sunday morning at this time, you could be in your pajamas or you're gonna get dressed. Here's when we do brunch. Here's what we're gonna do Good Friday. Kind of here's the plan for the weekend. And it needs to, in whatever way works for your family, be clear so everybody knows. And in addition, it needs to be practical. It can't be unreasonable, but it needs to be somewhat thorough. And then in additionally, you need to lead the charge. So if it's Good Friday and you're gonna do something as a family, like watch my sermon or somebody else's sermon, we'll be streaming every hour for 24 hours, Good Friday. You need to be the one who says, okay guys, off your phones, turn your phone off, everybody come. You know, dad's got snacks, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna watch a sermon, we're gonna talk about it. Easter Sunday, you gotta be the first one up. You gotta be getting the other kids up. Hey, 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 come on guys, it's Easter Sunday, we're gonna do church, we are believers. Dad's gonna be your pastor today, I'm leading the charge, whatever the case may be. You need to be the leader of the plan. You have to be the leader of the plan. Statistically, if dad leads, people follow. If dad doesn't lead, it's a disaster. So the options are dad or disaster. I vote for dad. Number five, give your wife a view, a voice, and a vote on your plan. Now, I don't know about you, but, um, but sometimes what we could do with our wives, we just sort of bring them a plan and then they realize that we've got some things that we didn't consider or some things that don't work or we don't have any plans. So what tends to happen is for most men, they either have no plan, and so all of that burden falls on mom, or they have a plan that's so rigid and tight that it's really hard for mom to execute the plan with that. So what you wanna do, you wanna initiate as family leader the plan for this weekend, Good Friday and Easter, and then you wanna bring that plan to your wife and you want it to be in pencil. You give her a view, honey, this is what I'm thinking, you give her a voice. What do you think? What could we do better? What would you change? 
and then to give her a vote. We're not gonna do that, we're gonna do that. It's gonna take this long to have brunch. The kids need nap at this time. What I'm saying is don't bring your wife a blank, a blank sheet of paper, bring her a pencil plan, and then show that you love her and the kids and you're trying to create an environment that's gonna make for a great holiday weekend under incredibly complicated circumstances, and then welcome her to help you make that plan. Singular head, that's you plural leader, that's the two of you, as the singular head, you start the plan. As plural leaders, you conclude the plan. Some things you can consider in that. Um, for example, on Good Friday, what are you gonna do for dinner? Are you going to do a Bible study? Are you going to watch a sermon that is Good Friday related? Are you gonna watch the Passion of the Christ? Are you gonna spend time in prayer together? Are you gonna take prayer requests? Are you going to have some sort of technological connection with extended family members. What are you gonna do on Good Friday? What's the plan for Saturday? Are you gonna go for a family walk? Are you gonna play games? Are you gonna watch a movie? What are you gonna do? What's the plan for Sunday? What time does everybody need to get up? Do they need to get dressed? Can they wear their pajamas? What time are we gonna do brunch? Are we gonna do family dinner? Are we gonna FaceTime or Skype in or Zoom in with grandma and grandpa that we can't see today? What does all of this look like? And part of this is you're giving yourself and your family things to look forward to. Because right now, it's very hard to plan into the future. Right now for our families, all the fun stuff came off the calendar and we're not able yet to project out and plan any fun stuff, your family needs some things to look forward to. And I'm telling you, this weekend is a great place to start. Uh, in addition on Easter, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna live stream a sermon? Are you gonna do a Bible study? Are you gonna spend time in prayer? Are you gonna worship together? What are you gonna do, dad? What's your plan? Okay, and I need you to think about all of this. Usually the pastor is the one who's thinking about all of this. You can't come to the church house, you gotta be the pastor at your house. And I want this to be an awesome, memorable, festive holiday season for you and your family. And like I said, when we get to go back to normal, I don't want you to stop doing this. I want you to have your family and your church family, not your church family or your family, both families. And then your family will actually be ready to lead in, uh, in the church family. What are we gonna do? Well, in the morning on East, well, on Good Friday, we're gonna do dinner and then we're gonna watch a live stream of my sermon, which will be weird watching myself. And then we're gonna share prayer requests and we'll probably watch the Passion of the Christ and do a Bible study and answer questions for the kids and I'll lay hands over the family and pray over the kids and over grace and we'll go to bed. Saturday will be a fun family chill day. Probably go for a walk, probably play some board games, maybe watch a movie. Sunday, we'll get up, we're gonna watch a sermon, We'll spend some time in worship. We'll do brunch together, share prayer requests, probably Zoom in with the grandparents, extended family. And then uh, we'll all get together for a big dinner that night. And uh, how can we pray for you? What are you thankful for this week? And just get a lot of good family time that includes prayer, the word of God, some singing, some fun. Some of my kids I'm sure are gonna wanna do crafts. They're gonna wanna do uh, puzzles or board games or whatever the case is. And I'll just be honest, as a grown man, these are not my favorite things. Like I don't wake up every morning and go, puzzles and board games, oh my. I'm like, puzzles and board games, oh my. But it's about being with the family, spending time with the family, doing what others wanna do so that you can enjoy presence with them. That's really the end zone for dad. 
And guess what, Dad? It's not like you can watch sports anyways. There's nothing on. Number five, give your wife a view, a voice, and a vote. Number six, give your kids a view and a voice on your plan. Tell your kids, okay, mom and dad talked. Uh, Here's our plan. I'm gonna tell you what it is. You get a view. Any thoughts you kids have, you have a voice. Some of the kids may say, oh, I'd really like to do this or I'd really like to do that or could we do this or could we do that or could I get this on the menu for brunch or dinner or whatever the case may be. Give them a voice, but you don't give them a boat. Mom and dad make the decision, but the kids get a voice. The kids get a voice. And what you'll find is some of your kids, they'll have some good ideas or they'll say, hey, I really wanna do this. Okay, great. Mom and dad then as the leaders can decide, we'll put this on the plan for the weekend. Dad is the head, we'll then execute it. All I'm talking about is not frustrating your children by bringing what sounds to them like demands, but an invitation for them to help architect a really enjoyable and life-giving, godly family weekend together. And just get your kids to participate in the planning because then they'll also be looking forward to it and they'll know what their role is to execute when the time comes. And then number seven, make adjustments going forward to keep going and improving. Once you do this, start doing this every weekend. Start doing this every weekend. It's gonna be a while. We don't know how long till we can get together for church. So start to think through, okay, well, this worked and this didn't work. So next weekend, we're gonna do this. And then this worked and this didn't work. So the next weekend, we're gonna do that. And then even when the church is open and we could be back together with God's family, we could still do this kind of thing as a family. We could pray together. We could do dinner together. We can watch a sermon together. We, we can worship God together. We could have a no technology day where we just do things that are simple and fun and cheap and family oriented and related. Dad, I'm telling you, this is a great opportunity. That's what I'm saying. You can't control the economy. You probably aren't the guy that's gonna figure out the, the antibiotic to the virus. You're probably not the guy who's gonna you know, pull the stock market out of the plunge, but you can be the guy who loves your family. You can be the guy who leads your family. You can be the guy who prays with your family. You can be the guy who prepares your family for eternity. You can be the one who pours the love and the life of God and the hope of Jesus Christ into your family. And what I'm telling you is this, it's not gonna go perfectly. If, you think, if you're a perfectionist, just flush it, just be present. Don't worry about being perfect, worry about being present. Because when all is said and done, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, when your family, your kids, they're telling the story of what happened in this season, these will be the kind of memories that God will bring to their remembrance and it will cause them to carry this legacy of faith forward into your grandkids, your great grandkids, your legacy for generations. I love you, I'm praying for you, I'm excited for you. Congratulations, dad. You're now a pastor and you got church this Sunday and you've got an awesome little flock and I know you're gonna do a great job, so I'm praying for you. I'll pray for you right now. Father God, as we can't come to your house, we can invite you to our house. As we can't be with a church family, we can be a family that acts as part of the church family. God, as people can't be with their pastor, their dad can be their pastor. Their husband could be their pastor. He could bring the word of God, prayer, lifting burdens, encouragement into the lives of the little flock that he has given them to love and to lead. God, I think this is a divine appointment. I think this is a sacred opportunity. I think this is a a special moment where the things that men learn and the ways that they lead shouldn't stop 
when things get back to normal. Instead, God, this should be for the men of God, the new normal. And so I pray for new patterns and habits to start this weekend in these families, in Jesus' name, amen.